Somebody once said that when God cast Satan out of heaven, he landed in the church sound booth. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I seriously believe that because <laughs> whenever you need that thing to be there, it's like, yeah, no, I'm not feeling it today. I'm, we're, we're, we're checking out. And, and so, but praise the Lord for Tony singing a cappello. And, uh, and when the computer doesn't fail, we, just, we still have the book in front of us. Amen. So uh, last Sunday I went to preach, I opened my iPad, and it says it is downloading an update. It's like, I didn't want an update. I didn't give you permission. <laughs> you're supposed to do this thing while you're sleeping at night. We'll do the update. And so I said, oh, man, so I had to actually rely on my brain, which was, scared me half to death. I'd like you to take 1 John chapter number 2 this morning, 1 John chapter number 2. Find that place, if you will, this morning as we look to the Word of God. 1 John chapter number 2. Pray for all our young people next door and the kids downstairs. It's a blessing to have all this when God's given to us here. People ask me about the church fan. We're still saving. We're up to, I think, $38,000 or something in there. I forget the numbers in the bulletin. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, we haven't looked at anything yet. People have uh, mentioned a few things, but we haven't looked at anything. Prices have really gone crazy on church vans. When we started this, uh, they were where we are right now, but inflation have uh, moved these things to the sixty to $75,000 range, which is almost insane. And that's, that's and that's almost the used department. The three-year lease used ones is there's still you can't find one under fifty-five thousand dollars. I've looked all across the country on different websites, and it's just so we need God to do something, and God will do something in His time. And uh, so we'll just keep praying, and uh, the money comes in as God lays it upon your heart to give. So it's not that we're not looking; we are looking, but we just don't have the money right now to purchase anything. And the things we do see. 150,000, it's like, well, that's where we are right now. We don't want to buy another $150,000 vehicle, or 50,000-mile vehicle, I should say. And so uh, so pray about all that as the Lord knows what's going on, and uh, maybe things will come down eventually. The, with the auto worker strike looming and all that's going on, it's, it's, things are not looking good. But God's in control of all things. Good morning, sir. Good to see you today. We're in 1 John chapter number 2, and uh, we're going to pick up our text in verse number 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is love of God perfected. Hereby now we know that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth him. In him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Father, bless the time, bless the hour. Now we thank for this day. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for the songs that have been sung, the special, the children, Lord, and their respective departments. We pray, Lord, you bless each and every worker and bless these young people. Help them to fall in love. You help the teenagers who sit here this morning, who listen and, and give them a heart, Lord, that wants to know you and, and help us as adults, Lord to also have that same burning desire. I pray, God, again, you'll use your word this morning. Speak to our hearts, bring conviction of sin, and bring conformity to our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless those who need your help. Help those who are hurting. 
meet their needs. And if anybody here today is not saved, Lord, help them understand the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the, in, as we've gone through the, so far the first chapter, we've seen John talking to us about how we can have fellowship with God and how it's important that we do have fellowship with God. And fellowship with God is only through the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is again with the realization that we do have a sin problem. God is perfect. God is holy. God is light. God is pure light. And in Him is no darkness at all. And it's only through the blood of Christ that it cleanses us and gives us that access to God, and thereby giving us the ability to walk with God and have fellowship with God. What a joy it is to know that we can have fellowship with Him. John is writing this as a pastor to a church that's dealing with the uh, false theology, the theology of Gnosticism. And one of the teachings of Gnosticism is that sinful flesh can have nothing to do with the Holy God ever. And John tells us through the scriptures that sinful flesh can have fellowship with God through the person of Christ and be made whole. And therefore, we can have this fellowship with God. Now, he has described how to have fellowship with God. Now, he moves on to a second phase where he's describing how we are to have fellowship one with another. And again, uh, fellowship, you say, well, we all have fellowship one with another. Well, again, fellowship is one thing to say hi and talk to each other in church, but there, it, it is, it goes a step further than that. And in Baptist circles, when we use the word fellowship, that usually means food. And God is not talking about food. That's a Baptist word. But fellowship in the scripture means talking and, and helping and, and, and being there and, and caring for one another. So as we look at scripture, he says in these verse number three, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now this verse has nothing to do with the security of the believer. And again, I will state the case that we as Christians, we in our church here, we believe the Bible that once we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we are saved. You cannot lose one's salvation. Uh, you cannot be unborn. I was born in, in the flesh in 1964, a long, long time ago for some people. To some, I'm a baby. To some, a dinosaur. But uh, I was born in the flesh, but I was born in the Spirit on 1974. My friend, I cannot be unborn physically, and I can't be unborn spiritually. It's, it's an impossibility. I'm a child of God. We are not seven up around here. We're not the uncola. We are saved by grace. We are kept by grace. So when John tells us here that we know him if we keep his commandments, he's not talking about our salvation. But he's talking here as, as God's children. We are in a family. And, and how can we have the assurance that we are in God's family? Again, salvation is not a, a matter of feelings. Somebody doesn't come to Christ and we say, well, how do you feel? Well, no, that's... This feelings have nothing to do with it. You know, I had a warm glow go through my body. That, no, that, that, that's not how it works. You don't get any sensations or feelings or, or tinglings or anything else like that. If you do, you're, you know, the last time I had something like that was when I was going through a nuclear stress test. I had a lot of sensation going through me, but it had nothing to do with my salvation. It had to do with the chemicals they were pumping through me to see what was wrong with me. And, of course, there's really nothing wrong with me. I'm pretty much perfect, as my wife tells me every day. But we... Amen. My sister's here. She even agrees. Now, and uh, it has to do here with our idea of, of keeping his commandments. That, uh, and what are his commandments? Now, again, 
We're saved, not by feelings. We're saved by faith in the Word of God. But how do I know that I do have faith that saved me? Well, it's, again, am I, what are my actions? And can I, <clears throat> James teaches us that faith leads to actions. Actions don't lead to faith, but faith leads to actions. Because I am a Christian, then I'm automatically going to start doing something. My faith will produce works. My faith cannot help but to produce works and do something. Again, this phrase here, if we keep his commandments, does not refer to any of the commandments we find in the Old Testament. When we think of commandments, we generally think of the Ten Commandments, but there's over 600 commandments in our Bible. And so God is not referring to those commandments, although the Ten Commandments are wonderful and, 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 and should be kept, but he's not telling us to, to do anything legally here. There's not a legal aspect of this. He is dealing here with this idea of family matters, as we'll explain. The idea of keeping commandments as it relates to family matters. The Ten Commandments were given to a nation. And on these commandments, every civilized nation has based their laws. Even we as a nation base our laws on the commandments. Why, why is murder illegal? Who declared that to be so? God declared murder to be illegal. Why do we arrest thieves? Or well, actually, We used to arrest thieves, and uh, now we watch them steal stuff and run down the street. As long as it's under $600, they can steal in, parts in California. But when the world was normal, we used to arrest thieves for, for stealing. God is, so our nation is built on laws, and our nations are built really on God's laws, what God gave us. The Ten Commandments are for the unsaved people. Now, God has something to say about his own family, and they are commandments for his children. We gave commandments to our children, and every parent gives commandments to their children on what they're to do and have responsibilities. My sister's here, she'll vouch. We had to wash dishes every night, one washed, one dry, and we, after drying, we had to put dishes away. That was our responsibility at home and, and, uh, and other responsibilities that mom may have given to us from time to time. Well, what is God's commandments to us? Well, if we were to take our Bible and keep your place here in John's Gospel, I would like you to look, if you will, at the book of Galatians. Finally, if you will, the book of Galatians, some commandments that God gives Christians. Now, again, these commandments are not grievous. Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So when God is giving us a commandment, it's not something that's going to be hard to do. It's not something that we're going to strain at. It should come easy to us because, again, as Christians, this is part of our nature now to do this. And in the book of Galatians, he says in verse number 1, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now he's telling us here in this verse that as Christians, if some Christian falls into sin, if a Christian does something wrong, and he says, you that are spiritual, now he's talking, but these are two Christians. If a Christian sins... And when he says that you're spiritual, that means you haven't sinned. You're still doing right. You who are in, 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 a, in a spiritual state, a good state, it's your job to go to that fallen brethren, the one who has fallen into sin, and, and to try to help restore them back into fellowship. To get them to repent of their sin, or if they have repented of their sin, to 
get them back on track and get their life to where it needs to be again because we can all veer off course. Anybody ever drive and get lost and wonder, where in the world am I? Years ago, I had to drive to Trenton, and I didn't have GPS back then. We had those printout things, MapQuest. You know, it took you 10 turns to get out of your own driveway on that thing if you followed it. And, and MapQuest really should have been lotsofluck.com because it just... And I remember I was in Trenton. I'm following this thing. And I make a left turn into an alleyway, really, literally an alleyway. And I'm like, and I looked, and I had a guy in the car with me. I looked in this alleyway, and there's literally, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, there was homeless people, drug deals, and prostitutes down this alley. And I'm going down, and I had a, at the time, a Chevy Caprice, so I, I, and, and I'm wearing a suit and tie, so I looked like a, a cop. And I'm driving down, and uh, I go, oh no, this is where we die. And, and my guy I was with, he was from Newark, he goes, they're more afraid of you than, than you are, than, so just keep going. And so i going down the alley, and I roll down the window, and there's one guy, I said, you know where such and such place is? This is honestly, he told me, he goes, I don't know, I'm new around here myself. And so I said, thank you, and I just made a right turn out and finally found where I had to go. But we all end up someplace where we didn't plan on going. We've all messed up and made mistakes in life. And he says, if you're spiritual, you restore the person who's made the wrong turn. Because you need to consider yourself because there may come a day in your life where you make that wrong turn and you mess up and you're going to need somebody to come along and help restore you and to get you back on track. And he says in verse number 2, he says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now what did John tell us? He says that if you were to keep his commandments... And here, Paul tells us that if we're to bear one another's burdens, and if we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ, or we fulfill Christ's commandment, because Christ commanded us to care for one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. The Bible says, weep with them that weep, and, and to rejoice with them that rejoice. And there's times in life when we rejoice, there's times when we weep, when somebody else is weeping. But we're to bear one another's burdens. That means we're to help somebody who's got a burden on them that they need help with. And sometimes a burden can be so heavy that somebody can't lift it by themselves and they need somebody else to come along and help them with it. We've all helped somebody in life to do things, maybe it's to lift something, carry something, or to, to, to move. And then we've always appreciated when somebody helped us and they've appreciated when we've helped them. So we are to restore one another, we're to help one another, we're to lift one another up. If we take our Bibles again, we go to 1 Thessalonians in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians, we see some commandments here that Christ has given to us. Again, these are easy commandments. This is not grievous for us to do. We don't have to you know, groan and moan about what he's telling us here. In 1 Thessalonians... He says in verse number 2, very simply, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, here's this idea of Paul telling us that Christ has given us commandments. And again, commandments are not to make us saved or to keep us saved. These commandments are things that we're to do because we are saved. You do this because you are a Christian, because you are a servant of mine, because you have believed upon me. And then if we take our Bibles and, and we go over to chapter number 5, we see some very simple commandments. And, uh, and they're, they're not hard commandments in chapter number 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And we could go through a thousand of these, but uh, we'll pick these ones out. He says in, 
in verse number 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, ev but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So as Christians, we're not to, you know, if, if the, the neighbor does something bad to you, you don't do something bad back to the neighbor. But he says, that's you in the lost world, but you, you and other Christians here, you are to do good to each other. As Christians, you're to be helping one another. You're to be exhorting one another. He says in verse number 16, he says, rejoice evermore. Now again, it's, there are times in our lives where it may come time and difficult to rejoice because of some sorrow in our lives, some serious sadness that may be upon us. But we are to rejoice knowing that at the end of the day, God is still in control. And at the end of the day, it's all, it's, it's okay. We're going to, this, we've won this thing. It's won. We, we don't have to worry about whether we're going to win. We know we won. So we rejoice in the victory that we do have in Christ. And I've met a lot of people that never rejoice. Every time you talk to them, and, and I've known them for year after year, how you doing? Well, dude, it, it can't be like that every time. I'm sorry, but it, you just can't be... You like that that donkey on Winnie the Pooh all the time, dude. Come on, there's got to be some happiness in your life. You got to have some something to be rejoicing. It can't be, Pastor. No, stop. There's something to rejoice about. Now again, if you're sorrowful, don't come. I can't tell the pastor I'm sick. No, I I get it. But if if you're going on 20 years of that, there's something wrong with you. I'm just letting you know something's not right in the mix. There's a lot of things to be happy about in life. Unless you're a sports fan in New York, then it's miserable. But other than that, it's, there's a lot of good things around here to be happy about. We're to pray without ceasing. That's a commandment. That, was, that hung on our building here when we were kids. There's a Bible verses on the wall. Pray without ceasing was one of them. I looked at my brother. I said, what's ceasing mean? He says, don't quit. I go, how in the world are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to pray all the time? We just bump into walls and with our eyes closed. No, it's just a constant, I'm talking to God all the time. I'm in communication with God. That's a commandment. That's one of Christ's commandments. So we're to rejoice. We're to pray without ceasing. He says in verse number 18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, the Apostle Paul and Silas were in prison with their backs ripped open and bleeding in jail that night. And what were they doing? They had their cell phones and they were calling 1-800-YOU-HURT-ME and getting their lawyer, weren't they? No, they were, on, they were in the prison rejoicing and singing praises to God and, and thankful to God for His mercy. And, and at the end of the day, uh, the, the jailer got saved and his family got saved and, and baptized that night. So we are to, in everything, give thanks. We don't know why things happen to us, but we are. this is a commandment. Verse number 19, quench not the spirit. Last week we had our barbecue. I appreciate Brother David and Brother Amato doing all the cooking out there. Amen. That's a lot of work. It's a hot day. And, and standing by that grill, that, that steel gets very hot. It, 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 anytime we, we crank that thing up and we put it away, there's always a brown spot where the grass used to be because it just burns the grass out. It did during the men's cookout. And then last week it did during the hot dog cookout here 
And so we appreciate them men cooking. But at the end of the day, we, uh, Brother David and, and them, they, when it was all the cooking was done, they took a hose and they quenched the coals. They doused them and, and, and cooled the grill down so that none of the kids would go near that grill and get burnt. They quenched those coals. My friend, God tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the idea that when the Spirit of God is working upon you and moving upon you to do something and, and burdening you to do something, you are to obey Him and not quench Him. Don't dump a bucket of cold water on the Holy Spirit of God as He's moving upon you. And oftentimes you may do that and realize, man, I just did something wrong. I just quenched the Spirit of God. And it may take a while for the Spirit of God to work back in your heart again. He just may leave you to hang out there to dry and realize just how much we need Him. But that's a commandment that we are to quench not the Spirit. Here's another commandment. Despise not prophesying. Now prophesying is not somebody standing up in the church and predicting the future. Oh, I predict that, you know, and, and we're not prognosticators around here. You want prophecy? Let me, uh, let me give you some prophecy. Jesus is coming again. Amen? That's, 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 that's it. When is He coming? I don't know. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and it may be soon. Amen? He's coming again. And, and there's a lot that goes into that, but I, I, I don't set dates. I don't do anything. I, I, I watch certain things. I look at certain things, but I'm not letting anybody know. But the word prophecy here is the idea of preaching. Prophecy is a two-meaning word. It can mean predicting the future, but it also means preaching. And the Bible says, don't despise the preaching of the Word of God. And that's a commandment as Christians. We're not to despise preaching. We should like preaching. We should enjoy the preaching of the Word of God. He says, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Those are commandments. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Pastor, is it wrong? By the way, if you usually ask that question, nine times out of ten, guess what? It's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. Or, or it's questionable that you should be even doing that. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Try and stay away from things that, you know, you're not doing anything, but it just doesn't look right for you to exactly be there in the middle of it. Be careful with certain things and, and how you do certain things. These are commandments. These are simple things that we see in Scripture about obeying Christ's command. So if we go, go, go back in, in our Bible to, to 1 John, again, he's encouraging these people, the Christians, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do I know I'm a Christian? Well, are you keeping his commandments? Now, you can tell me I believed upon Jesus, I trusted Jesus. Well, my friend, is there any, any evidence? I have planted things in my life. I have planted seeds in my life. And I said, I planted a seed. And, and, and any day now I expect something to grow and, and in a week and head to show something should, and nothing ever grew because that seed was dead and didn't work and, it, and it, nothing happened. It wasn't until that something broke forth through the ground that I said, hey, we got something here. It's, and that's proof that that seed is alive and working. Years ago before we built the deck, we used to have pumpkins and I'd throw the pumpkins over in the corner there and I'll, I'll get these later and sometimes I forget about them they lay there all winter and, and come next fall we had, we had a pumpkin patch growing in the backyard remember anybody remember the pumpkin patch we had over there we had we grew three pumpkins in the pumpkin patch there and then we had those those corn stalks and and we I threw them there and and then next 
spring, and next thing I know, we're growing corn over in that piece of property. It's fertile soil around here. I don't know if it's toxic or fertile. I don't know one of the, but it's, it just, things started growing. We grew corn over. I wasn't even planning on growing corn, but I let it go and see how high it would get. And as long as it's knee high by the 4th of July, that's the, that's the thermometer on, on how that works. And so we grew corn over there. But seeds went into the ground. Pumpkin seeds went into the ground and things grew. Well, how do I know I'm a Christian? Well, the seed of God went into your heart, but did it grow? Are you producing? And he says here in these things, he says in verse number 4, he says, He that saith, I know him. That means I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm, I'm a Christian. And keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You know, somebody should have talked to John and told him that using such strong language is just not Jesus-like. That using those phrases is very offensive to Christians and it's really hurtful to say those things. And, and, and John just was a very insensitive human being here. No, my friend, John is just letting you know how it is. And the truth is the truth whether we like it or not. And today we can't tell the truth because everybody, I'm offended. Well, we'll suck it up, buttercup. It's just the truth. I really don't care if you're offended. You need to knock it off. And he says here, if you want to know if you're a Christian or not, if you don't do these things and you say you're a Christian, well, basically you're a liar. You're a liar. And that's strong language, is it not? Nobody likes to be called a liar. And he says the truth is not in him. Christ is not in you. Now, again, you, you cannot bluff your way out of this. You either have assurance or you don't. You cannot dig deep down in your heart. Either you're obeying God's commands because it's part of your nature now. Again, that, why do we grow corn out there? Because we planted a corn seed. We didn't plant on it, but it just happened. And so that corn seed produced corn. Why do we grow pumpkins out there? Because a pumpkin seed went to the ground and produced pumpkins. Well, my friend, Christ in our hearts will produce Christ-like actions. And Christ-like actions will show and evident themselves. And people say, you know, there's something about that person. They're just always doing something. They're always helping others. They're always this. They're always that. Because what's the evidence? Well, it's Christ. It's just growing out of you. It's just part of your nature. So we are here knowing we're children of God. We know that we're saved. Now, when we submit ourselves, again, submission here. He says in verse number 5, Whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Our affection for God is revealed in submission to his commandments. If, I'm, if I love God, Whoso keepeth his word is verily is the love of God perfected. I submit myself to God. God wants me to do this. This is something the Lord wants in my life. And he says, when you do that, then it's evident. It's evident in you that God is there. And we have this affection. And the more we submit to God, the better quality of our affection for God. We've all have eaten lousy food. Can I tell you that lousy ingredients produce lousy food? I was at a bakery. My wife and I walked into a bakery up in Rutherford. It's a German bakery. And, uh, and uh, we're looking at some things, and, and uh, they had a donut there. And the lady says, I want you to know the baker makes everything here. Everything. Even she doesn't buy the, the, the jellies and creams. 
in the buckets. She makes all her own cream. She makes all her own jelly. She does all that. So you buy a donut there, you're getting high-quality ingredients. You go to Dunkin' Donuts, and you look in the back, there's a big, giant, plastic, five-gallon bucket where they scooped it all out, and they... And, and sometimes you get a jelly donut where you, it hurts your eyes when you eat those things because you're, you hurt your eyes looking for the jelly because they didn't squeeze next to nothing in that bad boy. But then you get good ingredients, you'll get a good product, good food all the time. How many have ever eaten a lousy steak? And there's no such thing as a lousy steak. Every, Eat, ate a steak that it feels like that you're eating, it, it, it's, it's, it's leather, amen. It's just you, you're eating the exterior of that animal, not the interior. And, you're, and there ain't enough ketchup in A1 to bring that bad boy back to life. And, and, and especially it's worse when you're at somebody else's house and, you're, and, and, and they give you that butter knife. It's like, and you're like, and with a little teeth are on there, now gone. Can, can we... Can we have something stronger here? Can we break out the saws all and, uh, and, and cut this thing? And, uh, and you're like, Jesus help me. And uh, I was in somebody's house one time. They fed me a bowl of soup. I walked in the kitchen. I said, oh, it stinks in here. It stinks in here. Just horrible. I looked at the stove. I thought she was boiling dirty clothes. And she looked at me and she said, here, have a bowl of soup. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and sat me down. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. And I'll eat most anything, but this was like, whatever nostril hair I had was gone. And I'm just, I'm looking, is there something next to me? Is there a plant? Anything I can, anything I can, is there a dog? Is there a, a cat? Is there a window? Is there something I can, and I was just Nothing. And she's just, all right, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> Have some, no, 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 it's done, done, no more, thank you. And it was horrible. I, again, they, they loved it, the house, but it was, I don't know, it was, I never had sock soup before, but I never don't want it again. Bad ingredients give you bad products. My friend, when we have God in us, it'll produce something good. When you have Christ in you, something good will come out of it. And the more you have of Christ, the better you'll be. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, his love, his love is perfected. And hereby we know that we're in him. God's love is perfected. It, it means it's, it's, it's made right. It's, it's, or it's not made right, but it's, 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 it's producing. It's, it's good. And, it's, and, it's, and we're growing because of these things. So we're to mature. Again, we, our walk should back up our talk. It shows the sincerity of our profession. He says in verse 6, He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And again, these are referring to Christ, that the Christian is to walk as Jesus Christ walked. And how do I do that? Well, when you have the Word of God in you and you're reading the Word of God and you're fellowshipping with Christ and you're maturing in your faith and you're a Christian, <laughs> this will start to come. It just happens naturally. It just comes out of you because the more you put Christ in you, the more Christ will come out of you. We've been... Uh, I knew somebody who was a vegetarian. They drank carrot juice by the gallons. And listen, I, I don't, I'm not being mean, but they, 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 their, their skin 
took on an orange glow. I wasn't sure if they were working for Willy Wonka or what the deal was, but they were orange. It's like, dude, you need to calm down on the on the on the the, the, the carrot juice there. It's just something wrong with that. Oh, this is healthy for you. You don't look healthy. You just don't. You look like you you walk into a radon factory or something. Something you're glowing. No, it's that's not. But again, Christ ought to come out of us because he's, we keep putting it into us. And he, he goes on to even express this even more with our relationship one to another. He says in verse number 8, And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and true light now shineth. In other words, you're saved now. You're no longer in the darkness. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so again, this is the idea of fellowshipping with other Christians. He says, how can you say you hate another believer? Don't you understand the same Holy Spirit of God that indwells you is the same Holy Spirit of God that indwells them? Now, we may disagree with a fellow believer. We may have an, an, an argument with a fellow believer, but we are not to hate a fellow believer. And, and, and hate is a very strong word. My wife always says, don't say, use the word hate. Well, listen, I, I, I hate the Cowboys. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I just hate them. I don't hate, I don't hate their fans. They're wrong, but I don't hate them. I just, and by the way, I don't hate the cow. I don't want death. It's just the... We, you understand, okay? I know Tony's over here, and we let him in because of the grace of God, but he's a Cowboy fan, and, but uh, we understand. <laughs> His wife's nervous right now. But we understand here that we don't hate the players, especially if they come onto our team. Now they're good guys, and now they're bad guys. But, now but the, the, the name and the whole thing is kind of a play word. We don't hate them, but I don't like them as a thing. It's hard to explain it, isn't it, Tony? You know what I'm talking about, amen? Just certain things. I was picking, Brother David's a cricket fan. If I was to name some teams, he'd probably, if I knew any of them, he'd probably some teams. He hates those teams. You hate any cricket teams out there? Amen. <laughs> Soccer players out there, if I mention Manchester, or I may get killed by some people or kissed. It depends who you, who you want out there. I, I don't know anything about either one of them, but I hate that team. We all understand the word. But when we say we hate something and, and actually hate them and, and, and wish ill. Listen, there was a fight in a stadium a few weeks ago up in, in, in New England. The Patriots were playing the Dolphins. Two fans got into a fight, and one guy got punched in the head and, and died. A 53-year-old man died because two idiots were fighting over millionaires. That's what Okay, two, two idiots fighting over millionaires on, on which team is better, and one guy died, punched in the head. What's, what's, what's wrong with you? But as Christians, do we hate one another? Well, sometimes Christians do. Pastor, I hate it. Well, you, you, you no, know, something wrong with you. As Christians, we don't hate. If we do, we're walking in darkness. True faith is evident in our affection for other believers. We have an affection for them. Again, we may not agree with everybody, and, and other believers may. Now, listen, we can all be annoying, can we not? It just happens. We all have annoying little habits and quirks that may drive somebody crazy. But at the end of the day, you need to ask God to help you with that. There are people out there who don't like me. I, I struggle with that. How is that possible that somebody doesn't like me? I'm, it's, but there are people out there who just don't like me. <laughs> and uh, they hate my guts. 
and, and they're supposed to be Christians. And all I've ever done for them is good or tell them, hey, you can't do that. It's not right. I don't think that's not what God wants. The next thing you know, I'm the, I'm the bad guy. But my friend, at the end of the day, we are not to hate one another. We're not to put uh, things in front of each other to cause them to stumble. That's what he says in verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is not occasion of stumbling in him. Now, he's not, we're not to be a stumbling block to other people. And we all know what a stumbling block is. It's putting something in somebody's path that's going to cause them to trip and fall. And we don't want to be a stumbling block to some other Christian to cause them to fall in their faith. We want to remove the stumbling blocks. What am I doing to affect other Christians? Am I affecting them to love God or am I affecting them to hate God and hate church and hate Christians? Without fail, when somebody gets mad and leaves a church, they always want to take somebody with them. Nobody's ever content to leave a church angry and, and leave by themselves. They always want to take somebody with them. They'll get on the phone or texting, and you agree with the pastor in the church, and, and I don't think, and, and, and they're trying to, what do they do? They're secretly trying to pull people out from a good church because they got a problem. And so what are they doing? What are, what are they? Well, they're a stumbling block. And some other Christian, well, yeah, I guess so, and... Yeah, the pastor does do that a lot. And, and I noticed that with the other church members. And yeah, that, and, and they're stumbling now. And so he's saying, now, as Christians, when a fellowship, you, you don't put stumbling blocks. You, you, you do your best to help each other. You encourage each other. And sometimes you have to rebuke somebody. Yes. Hey, you can't do that. Paul did that. And, and Paul rebuked Peter for his actions at one point in time. And so we all get rebuked from time to time. And when we do get rebuked, we take it. You know, I have a pet peeve, and this is my pet peeve, is when men don't act like men. And men, we need to act like men. And if you're spoken to as a man, you take it like a man. If somebody tells you you're doing wrong and they speak to you and they say, listen, this is, you're to take it as a man, not a child. And stomping your foot and, and, and throwing a hissy fit. You were spoken to like a man, now act like a man. And that's how we do things in life. And I've been, in my life, I've been spoken to like a man. Somebody rebuked me on things I was doing. I had to take it like a man. What am I going to? Well, I'm going to fix them. I'm going to. No, I, okay, I, that's, yeah. Take it like a man. We don't have that much in society today. We can't use those words anymore. But God uses them. And God told several men in Scripture, you act like a man. You act like a man. And we're men, we act like an act. And we tell the ladies, act like an adult. Act like a lady. You've been told, take it. Take your medicine. Maybe unpleasant, but we take our medicine. So again, we have fellowship with God. Now there's fellowship with each other. And how do we have fellowship with each other? By our love, our affection, and by our caring and trying our help and assisting one another in this love for each other. It's how we have this fellowship. Now we're going to do something a little different we've never done before, and we want to be a help and encouragement here this morning. And to those of you who are watching through the Internet, we're thankful you're here watching through the Internet, and we appreciate it, but we're going to end our service here as we do something in-house in church here this morning. And so, Josh, if you just do what you normally do, just cut it off because we don't want them hearing anything. Just turn it off, and they'll understand. We appreciate that, and we want to be a help.